many are where we are right now because that's all we can see. We've taken our eyes off the eternal and put it on the temporal. Now you say, you say, Pastor, you know, it's easy for you to say it is, but you know what? I'm you. But we are the same. We each have a choice to say, am I going to live where I am now or am I going to jump from where I am now into what I am going to be? Am I going to use now for then? See, what I can see now should only be a launching pad or a, 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 a jumping place, a, a catalyst for, for, for uh, escalating to the next. You see, darkness will never stop what you are. At times, the Bible says that God will use struggles to get us to look at where we are, what we are doing. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Center or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. We're going to be uh, starting a new series today. And it's a series that I just want to I want to talk about, just for the next uh, two or three weeks, about how the future holds all things. And I want to ask you a question, because one of the things that I've seen over the last few months is people have turned inwardly, and usually turning inwardly is a good thing, but by turning inwardly, they, they kind of become tunnel-visioned or myoptic in their vision. They've made it all about them. Which I want to share a statement will hinder all that's about him. I was I was reading a billboard recently and it's one of those those truth billboards. Have you seen those truth billboards on the side of the streets? And it was one of those truth billboards and it had an open Bible And I thought it was interesting because this is something that I've taught forever and ever since I've been pastoring. And in the open Bible, the caption underneath says, it's not all about you. I thought it was interesting. It's not all about you. It's all about him. And when you make it about him, you know what he does? He makes it about you. But this is what happens in this time when things aren't going as we want or as we're, as we're working through this, this and I, I shudder to even say it because I don't believe it, 
yet it is something that has been uh, grasped by most people, this new norm. Well, folks, I haven't changed. I'm as normal as, well, that's okay, that's questionable. Okay, normal is a relative term, I understand. But they, they've grasped this new norm, and therefore they've changed their normalcies. And sadly, it means that I'm trying now to fit into the world instead of staying and letting the world be changed by me. And so I'm going to ask you a very simple question, and I've asked this question, oh gosh, a thousand times of this church if I've asked it once, and that question is on the screen. How far are you willing to see? Now, my launching pad on this is from the aspect that you and I have been looking inwardly. God, what's, what's this all going to do to me? How is this all going to affect me? How, how, how am I going to have to adjust to? And, and God wants you to do the same thing that he's always wanted you to do and say, no, how, is, how are you going to affect me? What are you going to do? Helen Keller made a very interesting statement. Some of you know Helen Keller. She's a very, very popular uh, woman, one of the very first national figures that was born blind. And her whole life, they didn't, they didn't have the Braille. They didn't have the stuff. Matter of fact, she was one that initiated so much of the stuff that the blind community, the sightless community has today was because of this woman, Helen Keller. But in her wisdom, they say that when you have a physical attribute that is not functioning, your other senses take up. And one of the things that that took up in this woman is great, is great wisdom. She made a statement, what is worse than be born blind? And that is to have sight, but no vision. What is worse than to be born blind, but being able to see and still not seeing? And what I have found is that especially in this hour we live, people have turned so inwardly focused they can no longer see that there's more going on than what is going on. And that God is using this darkness to bring great light. I have found that worldwide, they say there are, there are masses of people coming to the Lord. Because they realize everywhere they've gone, there is no hope. But they're finding hope and comfort and solace in the relationship with this Lord and Savior that we find in Scripture and that we find personally in our lives. Am I making sense this morning? Helen Keller in another place said, the poorest person in the world is not the person with no money. But it's the person that has no vision, they have no purpose, they have no goal, they have no dream. The people that can't see beyond the current situation, she said those are truly the poorest. Let's look at a man named Paul. The book of Acts, if you have your Bibles, 
Chapter, 19, uh, chapter 26, 19 through 23. I, I thought this was so apropos for this, this message, and even for now. Look what the scripture says. Therefore, O King Agrippa. Now let me lay a little background. Uh, Paul is, being, is going to be put on trial for disruption, orderly disconduct or misconduct. These things that really the Romans didn't care about. But the fact that he was bringing a government within the government they cared about. He was bringing the government of the kingdom of God within the government of the Roman Empire. And he was concerned about that. Let alone the, the little fray of the Jewish Pharisees and people that were getting all up in arms and all irritated and all frustrated and wanting to make Paul a public example to shut down this sect called Christians. So Paul is here about to go on trial. And he says, therefore, O King Agrippa, he lays a whole thing in the 25th chapter up to the 19th verse. I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. So stop there. Listen to me. What is the heavenly vision? What's happening right now in your life? No. What is the heavenly vision? What has happened in your life? No. What is the heavenly vision? It is God's plan for your life. It is God's purpose. It is God's vision for your life. According to Ephesians chapter 2, God said it was written out before the foundation of the world. According to Isaiah 56, God said, I set the end before I set the beginning. You all have heard me share that countless times. Why do I repeat over and over and over if we don't get a hold of it that your life is ultimately his life and not yours, you will live in a myopic utopia of your own making. That will not get you anywhere. But maybe day to day, maybe moment to moment. Am I making any sense today? He said, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. What is the heavenly vision? The vision that he received on the road to Damascus, where God said, I'm going to use you to the Gentiles. I'm going to use you to bring the hope, the message. He said, I declared this first in Damascus and in Jerusalem, then throughout Judea, and then to the Gentiles, that they should repent. Now listen to this. There's more to it than just that they should repent. Okay? Look at the, look at the structure. They should repent, turning to God. How do we get our lives back in order? We take it from what we want, what they want, and make it what he wants. That's not good English, but that was good preaching right there. <laughs> that they should repent, turn to God, and here's the part that we miss. And do works that are befitting of repentance. If you say you're a Christian, live like a Christian. If you say you're a child of God, realize there's more going on than what's going on. Don't walk around downcast. Don't walk around defeated. Don't walk around, whoa, poor, pitiful me. And don't walk around griping and complaining and murmuring and, and, and all of these. Why? These are not works befitting a changed life, which is what repentance talks about. Am I making any sense today? Okay, so Paul says, I'm not disobedient to the heavenly vision. 
And he said, because I will not take my eyes off of that, they're trying to kill me. How many here, because you talk about Jesus, you live for Jesus, you won't turn your back on Jesus, how many have lost a few friends? How many have lost people not liking you much like they used to? Okay, good. Hands went up all over the place. That's a good testimony. Okay? This is what Paul said. I'm not going to change my mind on what Jesus died for me to do. And he said, because of this, people are going to try to kill me. People are going to try, are going to stop liking me. Therefore, say therefore with me. Now Paul's going to give us the key of how you get through this. Read the next five words with me. Having obtained help from God. Ding, 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 ding. It ain't about you. It's about him. And once we make it about him, he makes it about us. Okay? He said, I've obtained help from God, which is why I'm standing before you today, Agrippa, and they didn't kill me. I'm witnessing both great and small, saying no other things than the prophets and Moses had already said. And the interesting thing that I have to uh, conclude in this passage is we give the picture. The Bible says just like Jesus suffered, we're going to suffer. Just like Jesus went through things, we're going to go through things. How many think that what we're going through is nothing compared to what Jesus went through? That the Christ... The Christ. People will always, you know, just a little caveat here. People will always say Jesus Christ as if it's last name. But he is Jesus the Christ. The, the Messiah. Literally broken down in the Greek, it means the anointed one and his anointing. So I love the way that, this, that the uh, translators here in the book of Acts in this passage, now some of your translations may not say it this way, but I love this particular one, the New King James. The King James, I believe, says the same thing. says that the Christ would suffer, and he would be the first to rise from the dead. How many are waiting to be second? Okay, come on. And would proclaim light to the Jewish people. His very first objective was to get Jerusalem saved, Israel saved. That was God's very first. Why? They're his chosen people. That's his promised people. But I'm a little grateful, according to the book of Romans, that they chose to not accept that because then we got included. Now, you say, well, Pastor, you mean if they would have accepted, we would have been rejected? No, I think God would have had the plan already set out. So let me look at this and let me break down this passage real quick. Paul now knew what he was going to do. On the road to Damascus, he'd given his life to the Lord. He said, Lord, what do I do? And God showed him. God showed him. Listen to me. When you got saved, God showed you the life that you're supposed to live. You're in a church that preaches an uncompromised gospel. There is no way that you can leave this kind of church, and we're not the only ones in town, uh, but there's no way you can leave here and say, well, I didn't know what I was supposed to do. Why? Because God's clear. God's word is clear. 
Paul knew now what he was supposed to do. And then when the going got tough, he also knew where he was supposed to go for help. Every day of my life, I wake up, first thing I do is start praying. Because I have no idea what's gonna, what the day is going to hold. But I pray because I know the one that's going to hold my day. And that's where I start my life. I have to start my life. Why? Because life is always changing. Life is always changing. So what I want to do is I want you to look at that comment that I made earlier about looking internally. It's a great thing, if you're doing it for this reason, to see with the eyes of your heart. If you're sitting here and when you make it internal, you're saying, okay, God, today is not about me. Today is about you. What is it do you have me to do? What is it that I should do? You and I have got to believe in the future. We've got to believe in God's plan. We've got to believe in God's purpose. That is the only way we'll ever get through the idea and the concept of understanding that there is more going on than what is going on. And what is happening is God continually purposes to expose each of us to the potential He has set in the depths of each of our hearts. This is what is called God's plan for your life. In Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. In the prosperity movement, which I am not akin to and I'm not part of and I'm not a, a, a proponent of, I'm a proponent of God's Word. God's Word preaches a prosperous gospel, a prosperity gospel, but it's based on stewardship. It's not based on the more you have, the more blessed you are. I know a lot of people that have a lot of stuff that ain't very blessed. But in Jeremiah chapter 29, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Jeremiah, and he is, he is recapping the 70 years of cap Babylonian captivity. God's given Daniel a vision. God has given Zerubbabel. God has given uh, 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 Nehemiah a vision. God has given all these people visions of what God's plan was for Israel, and he capsulates it here in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. He says, I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Now, if you read it in context, God has said, you guys are a bunch of messed up folks. And I love this passage because right at the end of it, God says, but don't worry, I haven't changed my mind about you. Look at somebody and say, thank God he hasn't changed his mind about me. I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. And listen to the next thing. If you're in the King James Version or the New King James, it'll say, plans to prosper you. Plans to give you hope. Is somebody liking that so far? But that's not the part that I focus on. If you're in the King James, I think it says the same thing in the New King James, but the King James says, and an expected end. God already has your life planned out. All he wants you to do, get your eyes off of you and put them on him. 
That's where in Psalm 34, it says, or 7, it says the footsteps of a good man are ordered of God. Though we mess up, look at somebody and said he's going to talk about me now. Though he mess up, he'll not utterly be cast down, but God will uphold him. (coughs) It is the same perspective that God gives us in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Where scripture tells us exceeding abundantly above anything we can ask or think, we are able to do according to his power that works in us. So I go back to that scripture in Acts 26. King Agrippa, I know I'm standing before you. I know it doesn't look good. But he said, listen, whether you're rich or poor, whether you're great or mighty or, 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 or peasant or what, makes no difference. I'm going to tell you what God told me to tell you. I'm not going to be disobedient to the vision that God has given me. And that is to, let, let me just put it simple for us, live for him. Live for him. We try to make it too deep. Can I tell you something? If you'll just commit your life to live for him, I can promise you, you will do his plan. I can promise you, you will fulfill the vision that God has for your life. If you just live for him. What that means, that every day you've got to crucify your flesh. You don't live a crucified life, you live a resurrected life. Why? Because you know, like, like uh, Galatians 2 says, that you've been crucified with Christ, nevertheless you live. Yet, not you, it's Christ that lives in you. That resurrected Christ lives in the life that now in you, and now the life that you live in the flesh, you live how? According to the Son of God who loved you and gave himself for you. It is the same scenario that we find in that passage that everybody loves, that we know in Romans 8, 28, that God works all things together for the good of those who love him. But here's the caveat and are called according to whose purpose? Whose purpose? His. Folks, that means it's not your plan that he's interested in. The book of Proverbs tells us that man plans his steps, but God's the one that orders his heart. It's not your plan. It's not my plan. It's his plan. It's his purpose. Now, I'm going to share a couple things with you. Most of the people that I'm going to list here, I listed before, I, I told you about these years and years ago, and if you've ever listened to Big Talker or, or uh, Radio Shine or any of these radio stations, they still rotate uh, this little snippet once in a while. But every one of these people in this snippet are told to be children of God historically. They are supposed to be Christians historically. Now, listen to it. Moses, he was 80 years old before he finally listened to God. Anybody here under 80? You still got time. (laughs) 80 years old. It took God 80 years to get Moses to pay attention to his plan. Caleb. Now, I think Caleb was a little bit of a victim here, but not not sure. 
because he was running around with three million Israelites marching around the mountain. And the Bible says every one of them died except for Caleb and Joshua, the only ones that went into the promised land, Caleb and Joshua. But Caleb was 85 years old before that happened. And you know the first thing Caleb said? He said, Josh, hey, Josh, hey, you and I know this because we were part of the 12 that went into the original uh, surveillance team. Remember? 12 of us went in, 10 gave back with a bad report. They be giants in the land. And Joshua looked at him and said, duh, tell me something I don't know. What they were saying, we find in Numbers chapter 12, uh, 12 uh, the book of Numbers, 12, 20, it's, it's there, book of Numbers, said, in our eyes, we're like grasshoppers. You notice the Bible never says in their eyes, I look like a grasshopper. In other words, they had this small picture of their own selves and their own ability and their own purpose. Therefore, they had that big of a view of God. Any reason why they didn't fulfill what God wanted. And everyone died in the wilderness except for, uh, that came out of it, uh, Egypt, except for Joshua and Caleb. Look at, look at Caleb. First thing Caleb did. Caleb, or Josh, hey Josh, Josh. Okay, we're over here. You remember that mountain that God showed me? You remember that mountain? Hey Josh, remember that? Can I have it? 85 years old. What's the big deal? It's where Goliath's family lived. How many think that might be a big deal? But 85-year-old Caleb said, it's ready to rumble. (laughs) But what is the picture? God showed Caleb how many years earlier? His vision, his plan, and it never left his heart. Okay, let me get you a little closer. We went, we went to, uh, we went to the uh, Creation Museum, uh, Jewel and I and Jeff and Lucinda, uh, last year, I think it was. Was it last year? Yeah, I don't know. Time just flies. And so we went to the, the Creation Museum, and we went and saw the ark, and it was just incredible. If you get a chance to do it, do it. But you, do you know what was about 80 miles or 100 miles away? The birthplace of Kentucky Fried Chicken. I wanted to go look at the finger-licking place, but it was too far, so we didn't go. Yeah, but it was still, it was still fun. It was a great trip, and we had a great time. Do you know who they claim was a great Christian? Colonel Sanders. Seventy years old before he discovered finger licking chicken. Seventy years. There was something burning. And you can read, you can read the, the, the history of, of, uh, of uh, Harlan Sanders' life. And it's amazing. This guy did everything. Why? There was a vision burning in his heart. And then God reminded him about something he did as a young'un. He reminded him of his chicken. (laughs) And so he put together the recipe, and the rest is history. 
Okay, I'm hungry now. Let's go to lunch. <laughs> 70 years old. Before he fought, but he never let it go. Ray Kroc at 70 said, I see a Big Mac in every house of the world. Picasso at 88 is still painting his greatest works. Thomas Edison, 85, invented the mimeograph machine at 88 years old. Every one of these are, 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 are uh, called to be Christians. 88, John Wesley is still riding the countryside, preaching the gospel. Let me share something with you. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11. You've heard me uh, 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 proclaim this, this passage many, many times because this is the passage that has that God wrote eternity in the hearts of men. But I want you to look at a portion of the scripture we don't see. It's on the screen. Look at this. He has made everything beautiful. What's the next three words? It may not be his time to accomplish his purpose in your life. He may still be working out what he's working in. Look at somebody and said, oh, he's working out a lot in my life. He may be working out what he is working in. But do you realize in its time, God's going to do something beautiful. And the reason it never stops gnawing on you and the only time that it goes dormant is when you stop listening. God put eternity in your heart. We can't fathom how God's going to do it, but all we know is He is going to do it. There are some people that look at the way things are. And I want you to listen to me, please. There are some people that look at the way things are. Let's modernize this to today. That look at the way things are and say, why? Why? I'm doing different things, and I walk around with my mask on, and I go places. And whether you do, whether you're not, that, that's, that's your choice, not mine. And I, I, I have had conversations with elder folks when I'm around elder folks, <clears throat> like I'm getting close to be. Come on, Pastor Ray, say amen. Yeah. Okay. Come on, Dan, say, you know, as we're, getting, we're getting close to elder folks. Come on, come on Ken, shout it out. We're getting, yeah. And I'll have a conversation kind of in sentimentalism and kind of in, you know, just looking around at what's happening. It usually happens when I'm at a, a Home Depot or, or I'm at a, a place, uh, you know, doing some kind of shopping. Uh, and I'll find myself next to this elder person. And I said, did you ever think in your lifetime this is what it would be? And you know every one of them say no. It is what it is. But I never had any of them ask me why. You know something about the older folks? Is they, they've seen Audie Murphy's movie, To Hell and Back. Some of them have lived it. The problem with 
today's world is we don't know what that part's like. And so we allow insignificant things to weigh us down and and cause us to take our eyes off of what God is doing to look what the world is doing. There are some that look at the things the way they are and they ask why. But can I tell you that there are also some who look at the way things could be, should be, and would be. And they say, why not? If I gotta, if I gotta do this, praise the Lord, I'm gonna do it. If I if I have to go this direction to accomplish this purpose, Paul said, Oh King Agrippa, I ain't standing in front of you because you're my favorite person. I'm not here because it's a jo- a, a direction that I would have chosen. But you know what? I'm here. And I have one purpose. And that's to say, King, do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? If I'm here, instead of asking why, why not just say, okay, why not? God, let's use this. How far are you willing to see? Can you see past the moment? The second thing that I want to look at just quickly is we got to keep looking even when it seems darkest. We have to keep looking. A a, a passage, I I taught on this a a few weeks ago in our Wednesday evening. I took everybody through not just the 23rd Psalm, but through the Psalms in general and looked at them as conquering Psalms and Psalms of victory and how every one of them were placed either in, around, or because of something somebody was going through. And how every one of them came out of a place of darkness into a glorious place of overcoming light. David, in one of the most famous psalms in the world, which is actually a messianic psalm, because when you read the 23rd Psalm, you actually should read 22, 23, and 24. They're all one psalm. But the, the, they broke it down this way, and you know why God did it that way? I'll ask him when I get there. <clears throat> he said, though I walk through the valley. He didn't ask anywhere in there, why am I here? <clears throat> he said, I'm going to walk through this thing because I understand it's only a shadow of death. This thing ain't going to change my life. Oh, it's going to be a change agent for my life. Because I'm going to understand life's a whole lot more than what's happening right now. Than what's going on right in the here and now. Because I keep my eyes on the then and there according to Colossians chapter 3. Listen to what he says. I walked through the valley. And how many looked the last time you saw a valley? It's between mountains. Mountains are always a picture of conquering and victory and overcoming. Though I walk through this valley, it's only a shadow of death. And I'm not going to be afraid. Why? Remember Paul? He said, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. But he said, I realize who I have to go to when it gets tough. 
He said, I, I only walk through this valley. It's only a shadow of death. I'm not going to be afraid. Why? Because God, you are with me. Can I make a statement? Somebody say yes. Good. I'm going to make it anyway, but it's polite to ask permission. Many are where they are right now because that's all they can see. Let me say it again. Many are where we are right now because that's all we can see. We've taken our eyes off the eternal and put it on the temporal. Now you say, you say, Pastor, you know, it's easy for you to say it is. But you know what? I'm you. You cut me, I bleed. You slap me. I might slap you back. I don't know. I hope I won't. But we are the same. We each have a choice to say, am I going to live where I am now or am I going to jump from where I am now into what I am going to be? Am I going to use now for then? See, what I can see now should only be a launching pad or a, 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 a jumping place, a, a catalyst for, for, for uh, escalating to the next. You see, darkness will never stop what you are. At times, the Bible says that God will use struggles to get us to look at where we are, what we are doing. God stopped Paul. As he was on the road to Damascus, talking about that heavenly vision that he received on the road to Damascus, Paul wanted to do right before God, but he had the wrong God that he was doing it for. But he didn't know until God interjected into his life. Listen to me. You want to ask yourself, do I know it's for God or not? The answer is very simple. Who's getting glory? Who's getting all the attention, you or God? You see, Paul said, because I'm giving God all the attention there in Acts 26, he said, they're trying to kill me. You want to know if God's getting attention in your life? Listen to me. You'll be losing friends. You'll be losing worldly relationships. You may even be losing some Christian relationships because they're so-called Christians. I had a wonderful conversation, Mike, I'm going to put you on the spot, with Mr. Condiato the other day. And he is telling me, Pastor, I'm telling people this, I'm doing this, I'm doing, and I'm just sitting, I'm like a proud papa, just, just, just gloating in my chest. God, thank you. you. He's got it. He said, even if it costs me everything, I'm going to tell him. I'm going to live it. I'm going to do it. I'm not going to be disobedient to that heavenly vision. If everybody leaves me, I'm going to stand up. Didn't mean to put you on the spot. Well, you learned a lot from God's Word. I was just a vessel. L listen to me. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. Paul said, even if it costs everything, I am not going to let anything stop me from doing my purpose. 
my printer printed on double sides. And so I, I got to make sure that I'm, I'm on the right. Am I on page one? Okay. We're getting close to the end. Oh, I can hear Hensley shouting, can't you? Can't you shout? Yeah, we miss him. But I guarantee, he, I guarantee he's not missing us. What? Oh, good job. Good job. But nothing personal, folks. I guarantee Hensley's not missing us. And I guarantee he's no longer saying, Lord, take your time. Struggles, difficulties, darkness. Please hear me. A lot of time, all they do is shine light on where you have always been. And just like Paul, God might have to knock you off your high horse. Read the story about the road to Damascus. God knocked him off his horse. That he could get him on the right track. And sometimes God has to do that. Struggles help us to see where we are and where we've been, even if it's all wrong, that God can get us on the right track. Hear me, it's, and it's on the screen. Struggles are, aren't always stop signs. Many times they can be guidelines. When I, when I am in the midst of something, I ask God a very simple question. Okay, God, why am I here? Say, Pastor, I thought you said a moment ago not to ask why. No, I'm asking the right person why I'm here. I don't care what everybody else says. I'm asking God. And then I say, okay, why not just keep on going? Because you're ordering my steps. Struggles are not always stop signs. Many times they're guidelines. In, in, in Isaiah chapter 6, King Uzziah, a tremendous king in the Bible, dies. And Isaiah is a prophet under King Uzziah. And he says, in the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah saw himself. And we can read it. He said, I was standing before the Lord, and, and all of a sudden an angel flew down. And, and uh, Elijah, uh, Isaiah said, I- I'm beside myself. I'm undone. I'm unclean. And the angel of the Lord came down with a coal and touched his lips and said, okay, you're clean. You know what Isaiah is happening? You know what God is doing? God's saying, Isaiah, it ain't about you. It is about me. And you know what Isaiah's response? He saw that he was in the wrong place. And then he saw the place that he could be and he needed to be. And he just simply said, okay, God, here am I. Send me. I want to do what God wants me to do. Anybody else in this room feel the same way? And you see, ladies and gentlemen, when the eyes of my heart are opened, it is then I will get a clear perspective on my position and I will be able to see my potential. I will get a clear perspective on where I'm at. Look at me, please. Where are you right now? Well, I'm probably okay. That's not okay. 
It's not okay to be just okay. Do you know where you are? Do you know in Christ where you are? And if you're at a place where, well, I'm okay, you know, me and, me and him. He's not a buddy. He is the king. He is the Lord. He is the master. And the song that we sang this morning, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm a child of God. I have turned the ownership of this property called me to the one who gave his all for me. And when I do that, I will get a clear perspective of my position. And my position is a servant. My position is to see God lift me up. When God does that, he'll show you. He'll shine that light down on you. And you'll start seeing you for you. And I guarantee, like Isaiah, you'll say, God, my Lord, I am undone. I am unclean. And I'm a man of unclean people. God, what do I do? And God said, I got this. He'll clean you from the inside out. He'll change your outward to the upward. By transforming the inward. And only then will you be able to move forward. As I begin to wrap up this morning, I would say in closing, but if you've been around church any length of time like myself, when a preacher says in closing, what's it mean? Absolutely nothing. So I will say as I begin to wrap this up because wrapping can take a long time. Some of you are sitting here and saying okay, Pastor, I, I guess I've just been okay. Maybe you're online and you're watching and you say, Pastor, I've kind of during this time I've focused so much on this time that I forgot it's about his time and that he's making beautiful everything in his time. I wanted to share something and it's on the screen so I want you to see it. You got weaknesses. It's not a problem. God will never show you your weakness without showing you his strength. You see, let me take you back to Acts 26. Paul said, Agrippa, I, I'm not going to be disobedient because I know where my strength comes from. He says, I know you can do anything you want to do. And you know what? You've got people in your life that can do anything they want to do to you. They can physically do something, mentally, verbally. They can spread your name around town in every way but a good way. God never shows us our weaknesses without showing us His strength and our strength because it comes through Him. He never shows us our failures without showing us His victories and our victories. He never will touch our hurt unless He fills us with His hope. You see, this is the God I serve. But I don't understand it until I 
give myself fully to him. I've got one more statement to make, and then I'm going to take you to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I know you don't have your notes with you, but and it'll be on the screen, but 2 Corinthians chapter 11, it's one of those passages that I would encourage you to read and look at, especially when you're going through tough times. If you and I will do one thing, let's do this. Realize any problem is a problem if you have no purpose but you. Any problem is a problem when there's no purpose. But no problem is a problem when that purpose is not me. Paul said these words in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Look at this. He said, they say they serve Christ. They say they serve Christ. Who's he talking about? Many of those that are Christians in name only. Remember that passage once again in the book of Acts chapter 26. He said, if you're a Christian, live like one. You say, well, pastor, what if I'm a Christian and I'm not living like one? Does that mean I'm not a Christian? You won. Well, does that mean I'm not going to heaven? I'll give you the Bible to talk about it. They say they serve Christ, but I served him more. And then we see what Paul does. He shows you the examples of a life lived for Christ. And I guarantee none of us have ever gone through anything compared to what Paul went through, let alone what Jesus went through. Look what it says here. He said, I've worked harder. I've been put in jail more often. I'm not thinking anybody here has been jailed for Christ. Maybe you have. Help me to see that later if you, if you would. I've been whipped times without number. He said all this is because I'm serving Christ. I'm living for Him. I faced death again and again and again. Five different times the Jews gave me their terrible 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. <coughs> Once I was stoned. And not in the way they do it these days. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day on the sea. I have traveled many weary miles and have been often in great danger from flooded rivers, from robbers, listen to this, of my own people. That word people means people who call themselves Christians. Anybody had anybody that was a Christian talk bad about you? Do bad to you? I know people 
that have, that have had Christians supposed to be leading them, and instead of leading them to Christ, they actually led them away from Christ because of their example, because of their testimony, because of their words. Then Jew, the Jews, as well as from the hands of the Gentiles. Look at the next thing here. I have faced grave dangers from mobs in the cities from de- and from death in the deserts, in the stormy seas, from men who claim to be brothers in Christ who are not. <coughs> and he says, I've lived with weariness and pain, sleepless nights. How many want to take on Paul's mantle right now? I've been hungry. I've been thirsty. I've gone without food. I've shivered with cold, without enough clothing to keep me warm. And then beside that, I have the constant worry of how the churches are getting along. Oh. How many say I can fit in Paul's dilemma? None of us. But yet he said, I'm not disobedient to what you called me to do, God. You see, Paul could see beyond himself. He realized there was more going on than what was going on. As the worship team comes, understand, God wants to fulfill his plan in and for your life. But he can't do it without you. And the way that he gets us to realize is you say, God, I'm willing to see beyond this moment. I'm willing to see beyond this circumstance. I'm really, I'm willing to see beyond this struggle. God, I'm willing to see all the way to heaven. This is why Abraham, and we've talked about it countless times over the years, wouldn't even build a house because he said, this earth isn't my home. I'm looking for the city whose maker and builder is is God. God wants to fulfill his plan. But you have to understand, it may not be your plan. It may not be. In all of our lives, God changes things in your life and my life. Folks, I I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I live for the one that holds tomorrow. I don't know what I'm going to be doing. Oh, I have an idea. I'm going to be doing this, that, or the other thing. But you know the one thing I do do? is I live my life knowing that God's in charge. And the direction I'm taking is because God is leading. My footsteps are ordered of Him. Will I make mistakes along? I guarantee it. That's why your focus should not be on me. Your focus should always be because it's not about me. It's not about you. It's about him. And as long as we keep our lives committed to this word, 
we're going to all make it to the same place. Three people were excited. That's, that's good. As long as we keep our lives focused in this, the end of this journey is going to be good. Oh, it might get bumpy. I don't know what is going to happen with Tim tomorrow or, or Gloria tomorrow. Some of the names evade me sometimes. Mr. Wilf over here, I almost said Wilf, but I didn't. Mr. Wilf, you know, you know look, at, look, look at these two kids. They wanted to be back in Flagstaff, but I'm not sure that they fully thought they would ever be able to. See, God has a plan. God pulled them out of the muck and mire that they were in. Am I speaking correctly? But can I tell you something? I see some mucky shoes over there still. It's tough to get them off the shoes. They might have to throw those shoes away and say, God, I'm standing on hollow ground. But look what God's doing. He's getting them a house. Is that right? Is, is you owning it? In your plans, did you think that was possible? But what about his plans? You see, there's something, ladies and gentlemen. God wants to and God will, but he can't do it without you. Even if you say, I want God's plan, doesn't mean you're going to get God's plan. Because God knows that sometimes His plan ain't going to be your plan. And the plan that you want to be His plan may not be. God brought my wife and I 10 years ago here. We just had our house. And I told God, I said, God, if you really want to start a church, we ain't going to start in our living room. Her and I were having church in our living room. We were having fun. We were enjoying it. But I know that David always got to be careful. I got to choose the right words. People naysay the church as a functional facility. That's not God's plan then they haven't read the Bible. Because the Bible's very clear. This is God's plan. And I said, God, if you're going to, if you want us to do this, you're going to have to make a way. And you all have heard the story, so I won't belabor you with it. But here we are today. But you know something about my future? It's the same thing about your future. God, I want your plan. And I'm not stupid enough to say my plan is God's plan and try to make people think it is. I'm just going to follow his plan. And I'm going to see God do what God said to do. Do you know why? I put it on the screen, very last statement. God's plan must be our purpose. And our purpose must be God's plan.
if we want it accomplished, we've got some exciting things in our future. And I am beyond myself excited. I sit down and talk with Pastor Ray and our council, our board, different people. Well, not different people, just our council, our board, and Pastor Ray. And I get to share things that I see God doing in the future. And I, I am just so excited. Why? Because I know Victoria's life is his. This church ain't mine, and it ain't yours. It's his. And we always purpose to make that the forefront of our life. You don't want to miss the next few weeks. If you're online, you want to tune in the next few Sunday mornings. We got exciting stuff going on. You want to not miss. If you're in the house, you don't want to miss what is happening. Because I tell you what, what God's got planned, I couldn't even figure it out. But I see it coming together. I'm thinking, hmm. Whoever thought we'd be doing a women's meeting online? What you call it? Women in? Uh, ladies night in. We got ladies night out all the time. But it's going to be ladies night in. So that's, it's going to be a lot of fun. Let me ask you something. Is it about you or is it about him? If you make it about him, I promise you, God will bring it all together for the good. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, all that I've talked about today is really for nothing. If you don't know Jesus, why? You're not going to receive it. You're not going to receive the blessing. You're not going to receive the plan. You're not going to receive the purpose. If it's all about you and not about him, then all this sounds great, but it's not yours. The first thing you have to do is do what Paul said there in Acts 26. Got to repent, ask Jesus into your heart, and then start living a Christian life. If you're here today, where is your heart? You got struggles, you got difficulties? God says, yeah, I know. Some of that stuff's happening because you have chosen to be where you are. What are you going to do about it? God is trying to get you to a place where, you know, and once again, don't take it wrongly and don't take it offensively to get us off our high horse. In other words, get us off of it being all about us and make it about Him. If you do that, this transforming power of the Holy Spirit will take you on a journey that you can't ever imagine. If your heart's not right with God, just quickly all over this building, I'm not going to ask you to close your eyes. I'm just going to ask you to lift your hand up and put it right back down. If that's you today, your heart's not right with God. Maybe you are just okay, but you say, I got to get right. Anybody in this room at all? I'm not going to stay here long. I see that hand. Others, be honest with God. Be honest with yourself. Yes, I see those hands. Be honest with God, folks. Folks, you're not going to stand before me. You're going to stand before him. I saw that hand back there. Thank you. 
You're not going to stand before me. You're going to stand before him. You can fool me, but you can't fool him. Where's your heart? How far can you see? If it's about you, you can't see very far. If it's about him, you can see into eternity. Father, these hands that were raised, if this is you, I'm praying for you right now. And I'm asking you to ask him to forgive you. God, touch him, help him, draw him closer to yourself. God, bring them into a personal relationship that they can begin to live the life you want them to live in Jesus' name. If that's you and you prayed, I want you to say amen. And then start living that today. Now let me ask you about the rest of you. Your heart's all right with God. I don't know where you are. Have you allowed the events that have transpired this year? I started this year by saying, God has given us 2020 vision. Little did I know that God was doing that. But the vision he was giving us was for you to see you where you really are. Because Jesus is coming back. And he's not coming back for somebody looking for something else. He's not coming back for somebody that maybe it's all okay. He's looking back. He's coming back for five virgins. The virgin represents, I've kept myself pure in this world. I'm not giving myself to anything else. I'm giving myself only to you. The other five virgins represent those that, well, I'm, you know, I'm, Lord, I love you. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm with you, God. But you know, I'm not, you know, you don't meet God, I'm just the flesh. And God said, yeah, that's why I died. And there's lots on both sides. And God just began to open this up, this understanding up to me. He said, I want people to see themselves so they can get away from themselves and begin to see them, see him. If that's you this morning, how far can you see? If you're online, how far can you see? You've got to get beyond yourself and watch heaven open up. And the view is limitless. Wouldn't that be for you? That's what he wants. That's what he wants. Father, be with your people. Help them. Your grace, your blessing, your promise your provision God I thank you I thank you Lord that you're going to do it again you're going to do it again in my life in our lives you're going to do it just like you did with Paul and from this day we're not going to be disobedient to the heavenly vision God we know that you're going to be there to help us and just like Isaiah we might think that we're unclean but God we're purposed before you and now we're going to live and say God do in my life what you did in Isaiah's what you did in Paul's what you did in a countless before me in Jesus name and everyone said amen we're going to sing we're going to sing God do it again and we're going to watch God do it again can somebody say amen
Pastor Tim Masters, with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 6.30. Join us at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. I'm Joe Harding. From Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Center, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.